0: Heavenly Father, we beg of you this morning to show your mercy to us and help us to understand your word and understand what it says about your son Jesus Christ and help us to understand what it says about us and how we can live for your glory. Lord, we need your mercy because we are sinful people. And when we read your word, we cannot understand it without the help of you and your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you may give us much of your Holy Spirit's guidance this morning. May he enlighten our minds so that we see clearly what you would have us do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my son Joshua is now two years old and I just love the fact that he is actually helping and useful around the house now in a way that he wasn't in the past. It's always nice when people are helpful towards you, and we've actually got him now loading the washing machine. It's a front loader, so we open the door, throw the washing, dirty washing on the floor, and he loves to pick it up and put it inside the washing machine. And it's so wonderful that you can leave the room, he is there packing the washing machine, you can see him there in the laundry, and you can go off and do other things while he is being so helpful. We love it when people help us out, when they're helpful toward us. And Joshua is not the only person who helps us. Many people help us through our lives, and particularly one person helps us in a very significant way, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the most helpful person that you will ever know. And we've been looking at what he has done in Hebrews chapter 2 for a number of weeks now. And we've come uh, toward the end of Hebrews chapter 2. And last week we saw in particular one of the most, the most helpful thing that Jesus did was in verse 17. That's what we looked at last week. Verse 17, for this reason, he, that is Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. What is the most significant, helpful thing that Jesus has done? It is making atonement for the sins of people. As a high priest, he has offered a sacrifice that makes you acceptable to God. If you trust in his death for you, you are pleasing to God. You are safe and you will go to be with him in eternity in heaven. But is that it? Is that all Jesus does to help us? He gets us into heaven, he saves us from our sins and then he leaves us to fend for ourselves until he either comes back or we die and go to be with him in heaven. No, Jesus doesn't start the job of, uh, of saving us and then leave us to be on our own. No, he continues to help us through our lives. And the thing that he helps us particularly with is the ongoing problem of sin in our lives. We have been saved. We are no longer considered unrighteous in God's eyes if we have believed in Jesus' death for us. But we still have a problem with sin. And Jesus doesn't leave us to deal with that problem on our own. In fact, he is there to help us. And that is what the very next verse says. So verse 17, if you've got a black church Bible, it's on page 1185, Hebrews chapter 2. And I encourage you to have it open there uh, throughout the sermon. So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 showed us that he is our high priest Making the atonement for sins, the sacrifice for the sins of the people. And then verse 18, the text for this week, tells us how he helps us. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus helps us not just by saving us, but by helping us to overcome the sinful temptations that are in our lives to sin against God. How does Jesus help us, though? How does he help us? That's what I want to look at this morning. How does he help us in temptation? And the first thing we have to understand, if we're going to understand how Jesus helps us in temptation, is that Jesus was tempted. That's my first main point this morning. I've got a number of main points. They're on the back of the church bulletin, if you want to follow along. My first main point this morning in how Jesus helps us in temptation Temptation is to understand that Jesus himself was tempted. Jesus himself was tempted. It says there in verse 18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. Jesus was tempted to sin. What was Jesus tempted to sin? What sort of sin was he tempted to do? Well, he was tempted to sin in the sense of to not glorify God as he should. What is sin? Sin is lawlessness, breaking God's law. When we obey God's law, we give glory and honour to God. And Jesus was supposed to give glory and honour to God as well. He had a particular job to do to give glory to God as well. What was that job? It was to go to the cross and die as a perfect human substitute for sinners such as you and me. That was his job. And he was tempted to not do that job. To not go to the cross and to not die for sinners. When was Jesus tempted to do that? Well, we see it happen again and again throughout his ministry. The temptation comes up. People and Satan tempt him again and again to deny his job and not go to the cross for God. Do God's will by going to the cross and dying for sinners. Firstly, we see it when... At the beginning of his ministry, what happens? He gets baptised and then he goes into the desert and is tempted by Satan. And Satan gives him all these different temptations and Jesus resists, but they are a denial of his job that he's come to do. What does Satan say? One of his temptations is, bow down to me and I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth. But that's not what Jesus is supposed to be doing. He's supposed to be submitting to his father. But Satan is there tempting him to sin. Right there at the beginning of his public ministry, he is tempted to not do his job. And then later in his ministry, we see again and again, various people tempt him to not go to the cross, to not do his job. Even his own family try to tempt him, they tempt him to not do his job. We see Jesus... uh, enters a house, it reads in in Mark's gospel, and again a crowd gathered around him so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. So lots of people are coming to Jesus. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. For they said he is out of his mind. His family were tempting him to give up his public ministry. They were saying, you're out of your mind. And they come to take charge of him, kidnap him, take him back so that he doesn't do his job. Even his own disciples tempt him to give up and not go to the cross as well. He starts to speak about the fact that he is going to the cross. He will be suffer and be put on the cross. And what do his disciples say? What does Peter say? Peter takes Jesus to one side and begins to rebuke Jesus and say, you can't talk this way. This isn't going to happen to you. And Jesus at that point is tempted, isn't he? But what does he do to Peter? He says, get behind me, Satan. Okay, you. this is not right. I am supposed to go to the cross. I'm not going to listen to the temptation that Satan is speaking through you of not going to the cross. And then, of course, the Pharisees and other religious leaders are always tempting Jesus to give up his public ministry. They say horrible things to him. They even start to physically persecute him and, of course, physically persecute him by taking him to the cross, by trying to put him to death. They don't want him around. They don't want him glorifying God as he should. And then immediately before the cross, we see Jesus struggling there with temptation. His will is that he won't go to the cross. But he says to his father, he prays, not my will but your will be done. He doesn't want to go to the cross. It's going to be painful and hard. Not just the physical pain but the spiritual pain of being cut off from the father. Jesus is severely tempted to not go to the cross. And then even on the cross, people are tempting him to end the pain. We have the priest saying, he saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. They are tempting him to come down from the cross and show that he is the powerful son of God. But Jesus hangs there and takes it. And even the thief, one of the thieves, says... He hurls insults at him and says, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Stop this suffering right now. Take yourself down from the cross and take us down with you. Be nice if you could do that for us. They're not just interested in him ending his suffering. They want their own suffering finished as well. Jesus is tempted, even at the cross, to end it all, to end his suffering and not do the job that he was supposed to do. So Jesus was most definitely tempted to sin and not do his job of dying for sinners. But was it a big deal that Jesus was tempted to not sin? Surely it couldn't have been all that hard for him to not sin, to to resist temptation. Well, no, it really was hard for him. And that's my second main point this morning. Jesus suffered in temptation. That's there in verse 18 as well. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. Jesus was human like you. Uh, in every way that's been told to us again and again, as we've been looking through uh, the last few verses in Hebrews, uh, just go back to verse 17, for example, for this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way. Jesus was fully human. And so he knew the suffering that comes with resisting temptation. He knows the ridicule, the pain that comes from people as you honour God and don't give in to temptation. And we could even say that Jesus knows suffering in temptation like nobody else does. Why? Because he never actually yielded. To temptation. He knew what it was to be tempted and suffer right up to the very point of actually sinning and not give in. Whereas we give in when the suffering gets worse and worse and worse, we then click over into sin. Whereas Jesus knew the suffering getting worse and worse and worse, and he's tempted and tempted and tempted to sin, and he still didn't. It's kind of like a, a bridge. Which one experiences more suffering of cars coming over the first day that it's built and the first lot of cars come over and it collapses? Or the bridge that stands there for a century and has cars and people come over it again and again and it has that temptation to collapse, but it resists and never collapses. It has experienced suffering again and again and again, every day. Whereas that first bridge that collapsed in the first day, it doesn't know suffering to the extent that the second bridge knows. And that is Jesus. He experienced it right up to the point of sinning, but never sinned. He really knows what it is to suffer in temptation. Think of all the sins that you have committed in your life, And the points of suffering that you experience and then clicked over into sin. And then think of Jesus who never sinned once in all those 30 odd years that he lived on the earth. He knows what it is to suffer in temptation. Okay, so Jesus is tempted. Jesus suffered in temptation. How is that helpful for us? Well, the next thing we need to understand, if we're going to understand how Jesus helps us in our temptation to sin is that you also are tempted to sin we need to make this point clear that you are tempted and that's my third main point this morning you are tempted you are tempted to give up the job of glorifying God just like Jesus was tempted Jesus had a particular way that he was to honour God to glorify God that was going to the cross and you are not called to do that But you are to take up your own cross and you are to glorify God and honour him by being obedient to his word and what it speaks to you. Jesus had particular commands from God that he was to follow as a Messiah, but he also kept God's law in general. And you are supposed to as well. And you have a specific job to do. And that is to glorify God and honour him by obeying him. And the first way that you're supposed to obey him, the first commandment that you are expected to do is what? It's to believe in Jesus Christ. The work of God that he would have you do is to believe in his son Jesus Christ. The first thing you need to do is to repent of your sins And believe in Jesus Christ as your Saviour. And you will be tempted not to do that. There is a strong temptation in everyone's mind to not repent of their sin, to not admit that they are a sinner, and to not believe in Jesus Christ as their sacrifice. And that may be you right now. You've been told that you're supposed to repent of your sin. You're told that you're supposed to believe in Jesus Christ, but your head still says, and people around you still say, no. That is temptation. They are still tempting you to sin against God by resisting repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you, if that is you this morning, don't continue to yield to that temptation. Don't continue to sin against God by refusing to repent and believe in his Son. Don't do it. Yes, you've yielded to that temptation for many years in your life, maybe. Don't let it go on. Resist that temptation right now. Repent of your sins. Say you're sorry to God for what you've done and believe that Jesus Christ paid for them right now. That is the first temptation you need to resist. Every one of us needs that, to resist that temptation to give in and not repent and not believe in Jesus Christ as our Saviour. And then what is the second greatest temptation for us? Well, it's not to obey God's law as a Christian, to not live righteously, to not honour God in obedience to his law, to not uh, break the Ten Commandments, to keep Christ's law as it is portrayed in the New Testament to resist those temptations that come up again and again in our head to sin against God okay so you're not supposed to yield to temptation and sin, is that so easy to not yield to temptation to not sin well, like Jesus you suffer in temptation too that's my fourth main point this morning You suffer in temptation. Doing the job of glorifying God and honouring him hurts. It is suffering to be a Christian. The world hates people who honour God by obeying his law. And the first thing that you're supposed to do is repent and believe, become a Christian. If you do that, it will hurt People around you do not like you being a Christian. They will say insulting things to you. They will do horrible things to you. They may even physically persecute you for being a Christian. You will suffer if you are temp- in that temptation to give it all up and to not be a Christian. But you're supposed to resist. And you will also suffer if you live righteously by obeying God's law as a Christian, by not lying, by not stealing, by not gossiping, by not hating those around you, you will suffer. Because the people around you who aren't Christians, and maybe some of them who are even Christians, they call themselves Christians, they don't like it when people live righteously around them. For a couple of reasons. They don't like it because it usually shows them up. People don't like it when you're a better person around them. And so they will hurt you for it. They won't want to be your friend and they will do nasty things to you often because you are living a righteous life around them. You're not gossiping, you're not lying, you're not stealing like they are. And they also won't like it that, you're not re- you're, that you are resisting temptation because it means that it may hurt them. If you don't join in with their lies at work, to the boss, it may mean that you speak the truth and they get punished for what they're doing. And they won't like that. If you don't join in with them in stealing things, they get worried that you might uh, tell on them that you will do the right thing. And so they hurt you because of it. And so you will suffer in temptation. If you don't sin, it will hurt you. And you know that as soon as you give in to temptation that you'll be part of the in crowd again and people won't hurt you anymore. But I want to warn you that eternal suffering is the cost if you don't suffer now. You have two choices. You can choose not to suffer now by sinning and joining in with other people in their sin but end up suffering forever in hell or you can choose to suffer now when tempted to not be have the friendships or relationships with family members that you would have if you weren't a Christian. But you end up not suffering forever. In fact, you go to a wonderful place for eternity where there is no suffering, no pain, no crying, no tears. And that goes on forever. So you can either have a little bit of fun now and no suffering, and then experience pain forever. Or you can experience just a little bit of suffering now for 70-odd years and then experience an eternity of not suffering. So clearly the choice is to not give in to temptation, but to suffer by resisting temptation. But are you alone in resisting temptation? No, you're not alone. And this is where the main point that I've been driving toward through this sermon comes into play, that Jesus is able to help us in temptation. Now that we've understood that he he was tempted, that he suffered, and that you are tempted, and that you suffer in temptation, I want to make my fifth main point. Jesus is able to help you in temptation. Jesus knows what temptation is and he knows what it is to suffer in temptation and that is of tremendous importance to you as a Christian. Why? Because firstly, Jesus is able to give you sympathy. He is able to sympathise with you in the pain that you are going through. Whenever you experience something hard, you know how good it is to go and talk to someone about it. And it's so much more helpful if that person has been through the same experience. If you have cancer and are really upset about it, it is wonderful to find someone else who has had cancer in the past or is going through having cancer right now. And you can talk to one another. And it is wonderful to talk to them as they give sympathy to you about what you're experiencing. And Jesus is a person who also knows what it is to suffer in temptation. When you are being persecuted for living righteously, for obeying God's law and not sinning, Jesus knows the pain that you are going through and you can go to him. He is the shoulder that you can cry on. Whatever you're experiencing, the different problems that come up in your life, you can go to him and explain to him what is happening. And he is able to provide you with sympathy because he knows what you are going through. The other way that Jesus can help you, not just by being a shoulder that you can cry on, and it's wonderful that you can—he's there twenty-four-seven. You know, if you keep ringing up your friends at three a.m. to talk about your problem, and they will get tired of it eventually. Jesus is always there to hear. Your problems, the way that you're being persecuted for being a good and godly Christian. Jesus is also not just there to cry to, He's there to help you. He is God, the all powerful God who controls the whole universe. So He can easily give you strength to resist temptation, He can give you strength to overcome the sin in your life. He can just give you the power that it's no longer a problem for you. You you hit this wall and it's just not a big deal anymore that people hurt you for being a Christian. And he's also able to give you wisdom to overcome the temptation. As you read the Bible, the precious gift that he has given you, it encourages you and supports you as you experience suffering for Christ and his name And he also doesn't just give you wisdom through the scriptures to how to overcome temptation. He also gives you other Christians around you, people who experience the same thing that you're going through. And you find those people at a local church. This is why it's so important to be a part of a local church, because God puts all these people around you who are able to sympathise with you and encourage you and strengthen you in your fight against temptation. It is at the local church that you have people going through the same problems as you are, and you are able to talk to them about them. God doesn't give all Christians the same gifts. He gives different people different gifts. And he gives different people the gift of cancer, the gift of different sorts of suffering, so that they are able to communicate with one another at a local church setting and encourage each other in their fight. This is why it's so important that the job of the local church of encouraging each other is not all left up to the pastor. I don't have the same experiences that everybody is going through, but as we meet together with different people, we're all able to help each other. And that is because Jesus gives those people to you. Jesus is the one who knows what it is to suffer in temptation and he encourages you to be part of a local church so that you can benefit from his strength that he imparts through his people as they communicate with one another and support each other. So when you are tempted, I want to encourage you this morning to look to Jesus when you're tempted to throw in the towel and not be a Christian anymore because people are just making it so hard for you for being a Christian, look to Jesus. He knows what it is to want to give it all up and to not do the will of his Father. And he knows the suffering that goes with that. And when you're tempted to not live righteously, you still want to be a Christian but you just really struggle with a particular sin and you just want to keep doing it, look to Jesus. He knows what it is to be tempted to sin. He knows it in a way that you'll never know because he got right up to the point and still did not sin, whereas you've probably given into that sin again and again through your life. He knows the suffering that comes with it. Look to him for strength and for sympathy through that trial. Let us speak with him now. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much that Jesus Christ was made like us in every way. He was and is fully human. And while he was on this earth, he was tempted to not do your will, to break your laws. But he did not. And so he knows what it is to suffer for living righteously. Lord, we pray that we may resist temptation and not yield to it. And we pray that when we are experiencing suffering in temptation, we may look to Jesus Christ for the sympathy that he provides and the strength that he provides through his word, through his power in ourselves and as he encourages us with other people around us who are going through the same trials and are able to support us through a local church. Lord, we pray that we may always look to Jesus Christ when we are suffering in temptation. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.